Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their rewards. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. In an article in 2015, the author and columnist James Bartholomew coined the term virtue signaling, and the article was given the title Easy Virtue. In it, Bartholomew made the point how much easier it is to attract the approval of others by identifying things you hate or approve of rather than by quietly going about doing what is good. The Oxford English Dictionary now has a definition for virtue signaling. It runs as follows. The public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or social conscience or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. So journalists do it. Bartholomew took particular aim and a swipe at the Today program it's not only the media, politicians are expert, and if I may suggest, the business world is rife. Why is it that the organization we work for chooses to sponsor the particular charity that we sponsor? And why do our organizations want to have our sponsorship all over our profile? And then we do it. We clap outside our houses, we post and repost, we like, we take the knee. The World Cup provided a masterclass, both in virtue signaling and in hypocrisy. <laughs> the power of the dollar, you might say. Bartholomew's article concluded like this. There was a time when Britain had a form of Christianity. Maybe that is part of why some of us still find all this virtue signaling obnoxious. It's just showing off. Well, this week and next, we come to the very center of Jesus' teaching, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And showing off is absolutely in the frame. You look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. 
Let me say we read this yesterday with a group of city workers, and after reading it, I asked the question, how do we see this doing righteousness in order to be seen by men in the city? Five minutes of uninterrupted response came straight back, and I'll touch on that in a moment or two. But somebody pointed out that it's not quite as simple as it looks. Is Jesus saying, never do anything publicly? Well, he can't be, because in just a moment, he's going to say, when you pray, pray our Father. That's a plural thing. We must be doing it together. And he's just said, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So it seems to be to do with the audience we choose and the approval we seek. Two points, which audience, whose approval? And if you want a subtitle or a title for this talk, how to avoid being a rank hypocrite. And the audience. The phrase, beware of practicing your righteousness before people, translates a set of words that reads literally like this. Take care the righteousness not to do before men. And we've just come out of chapter 5, and in chapter 5, Jesus has expounded what true righteousness looks like. Now he takes the righteous life and warns, don't do it for show. The phrase, to be seen by them, in order to be seen by them, uses the word from which we get our word, theater. It speaks of making a spectacle. So beware of doing your righteousness before others in order to be theatered by them. And of course, the whole point of the theater was that the actor be in the spotlight. You must have sat, or maybe you haven't, but have you ever sat in one of those restricted view seats? What a pain it is. You can't actually see what's going on. The whole point of the theater is to be a spectacle. Beware doing your right deeds in order to be center stage. Now, in the highly formally religious culture in which Jesus spoke, the Pharisees and scribes of Jesus' day were past masters at being seen by men. And as in the city, so much public morality was about being viewed. It impacted the corporate image. It enabled public acceptability. It attracted prime candidate recruitment. So Jesus goes on to apply verse 1 in the areas of giving, prayer, and fasting. Giving, verse 2 through 4, prayer, verse 5 through 15, and fasting, verse 16 to 18. And at the center of the prayer, we have the Lord's Prayer, which we will look at last next, sorry, next week. And that is the very heart, structurally, thematically, of the Sermon on the Mount. Giving is literally acts of mercy, and acts of mercy for the disciples of Jesus flow out of being in relationship with the merciful God. Prayer is obviously something that flows out of a relationship with God. Just as a child calls to his or her father, 
so a child of God says, our Father. Not every Christian would agree that fasting is necessarily a requirement for the Christian in our day. The New Testament doesn't demand it. Later in the gospel, Jesus says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while the bridegroom is still with him? But fasting was a mark of humble dependence in repentant faith with the one with whom one had a relationship. And so all the way through, Jesus is saying, look, we're to make sure that the things we do as a result of having a relationship with God are done with our eyes on God. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be theatred by them, for then you will have no reward from your God, the Father who is in heaven. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, right the way through, Jesus is expounding verse 1, and repeatedly he talks about being seen by the Father who sees in secret. The audience, vertical, not horizontal. And the language of hypocrisy is so well-suited, isn't it? If any culture takes its eyes off God, hypocrisy will ultimately be rife. Once you stop looking upwards, well, all you can do is either look sideways or inwards. And so given the nature of human beings, striking God out of the equation multiplies hypocrisy, which is why we now live in a culture where virtue signaling is lauded, though we hate it. Now, apparently the word hypocrite in the first century was used for actors, and the actor in the first century hadn't yet developed character play in the way that we had, and so the actor walked around the stage wearing or holding a mask in front of their face. So what you saw, if you like, was not really the person, and that's exactly the point, rather like in The Lion King. With the hypocrite, what you saw and heard wasn't the real thing. You saw the mask, you heard the voice, but it wasn't, well, it was a performance, a show laid on to impress. And in verses 2 through 4, apparently there were special times and special periods of giving that were announced with a trumpet in the street, a bit like the Lord Mayor's charity appeal. And on the day of the collection, trumpets were sounded in the temple, calling citizens together to contribute to some great particular need. You can just imagine the rationale. If we do this in public, it will encourage others, and we will build a deeply socially responsible culture. But before you know it, it's no longer the real thing. Such is our heart. It's turned from self-sacrifice to self-service. And so with prayer... Before we know it, it's turned from devotion to display. And so with fasting, from being Godward to being manward. 
Now, I know this is really complex. It is. The more you think about it, the more complex you realize it is. But I wonder if we can see that when we take our eyes off God's approval, God as our audience, well, we may do a thing simply because it's good to do a thing, but too often when we remove from public life, whether religious or secular, the motivation that comes from a personal relationship with the living God, he sees all, he knows all, we end up multiplying hypocrisy. We almost have to, and manufacturing ostentation, because once we've removed the vertical, all we have is the horizontal or the inward. And we end up doing stuff for others' approval in order to cultivate an environment in which people do other stuff, and we end up doing stuff for our own approval. Well, the application to public spirituality here in the city, in our secular city, could not be more obvious. So here's just a handful of the things that were said in the five minutes of uninterrupted response to my question, how do we see this public show in the city? One, so much philanthropy is for vanity's sake. Two, any listed company has a charity. The aim is to show that they are contributing to society. For many, it's simply a marketing ploy. The man who said that has spent 30 years working in corporate social government. Uh, no sooner had he finished, it's a marketing ploy, than somebody who spent years quite senior in HR said, for many, it's simply a recruitment ploy. And another said, just as soon as we've done something good, the cons team are upon us. We must prepare a statement to put it on social media. And then another Quote, no PR consultant in the city would adopt verse 1 as a policy. If you said to them, I'm not going to practice my righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, they'd think you'd lost your marbles. Finally, they even ask me to show off my righteousness in my annual review. It's the last box in the questionnaire. But can you see that conducting ourselves before men like this produces only ostentatious hypocrisy and show? And it's actually the very thing we hate. And Jesus shows us a far, far better way. It's one of the reasons why I love being Christian. Walking with Jesus is always the best way. Because if we have a relationship with God, he's the one who sees. Now, I know a lot of religion is just as hypocritical as a secular culture. But that's because people take their eye off the relationship and act out religion. But if we have a relationship with God, he is the one who sees. We can conduct our lives before him who sees in secret. He sees all, he knows all. He cares about all. We seek his audience, his approval. And of course, this is most dangerous, and I speak of somebody who spent 30 years doing this. This is most dangerous to those of us who are engaged in public ministry. Have you ever heard the phrase, humble service in the limelight? Putting the chairs out to be seen, cleaning the church to be seen, 
leading in public prayer to be seen, being a gospel patron to be seen, the razzmatazz, the show, the champagne and canapes, the film. There's a very Christian way of achieving precisely the same thing as the big check at the charity auction with the photo opportunity. A friend of mine preached his first sermon and was longing for some response from the vicar where he was working as a, an associate minister. And he preached the second one. No response. Then he preached the third one. Still no response. And so on the way home, he stopped the vicar and said, well, what do you think? And the vicar simply said, we preach to an audience of one. And stayed with him for the rest of his life. God sees. God knows. Who are you trying to please? Stop showing off. Did you notice the second audience that's there in verse 3? I think this just shows us how very devious we are. It certainly shows me how devious I am. When you give to the needy, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. See, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. It's possible not only to look to gain an audience from others, but also to satisfy ourselves as the key audience in our act of righteousness. I come to church to feel good about myself to have the spiritual high. I give in order to pat myself on the back. Don't even boast to yourself. Do it, forget about it. An audience of one. So subtle is the sinfulness of the human heart that it is possible to take deliberate steps to keep our giving secret from men while simultaneously dwelling on it on our own minds in a spirit of self-congratulation. John Stott, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I can lay on a very nice show for myself, even in the privacy of my own room. Gosh, we're devious, aren't we? The audience, the approval. Now, once again, you'll notice that in each of the three sections from verse 2 through 18, Jesus spells out the second part of his warning in verse 1. There it is. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And I think this begins to give us something of the remedy, the audience, and the approval. It's a severe warning. You will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now let me ask a question, because this requires close attention. Just look at the end of the sentence again. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. What is it that's in heaven? Is it the Father or is it the reward? See, I think I tend to read it, for then you will have no reward from your Father, which is in heaven, the reward's in heaven. It's not actually what it says. You'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And so because the Father is in heaven and in our acts of righteousness, we're looking to please him and him alone, then the reward is, in a sense, both now and then. C.S. Lewis is very helpful in this. He says, look, a proper reward is the consummation of the thing sought. Money is not the proper reward for love. Marriage is. And all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, we see that 
Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Comfort to those who mourn for their sin. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are satisfied. And here, if I am pursuing a relationship with my Creator, then the reward will come from the Father who is in heaven both now and consummated then. The reward is not health, wealth, promotion, and the praise of men. It can't be. It is the relationship. The reward is the natural extension and consummation of the activity itself. So then our reward with the audience of one, as we pursue a relationship with him, why it's both now intimacy with our Father in heaven. What a reward. Joy at knowing the one who is pure, whose name deserves to be hallowed. The sense of purpose and direction of being involved in his kingdom. The security of knowing that his will will be done. Do you see? Now. It's a wonderful thing. The reward is the relationship that we enjoy now, given to us as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection, given to us by grace, but experienced and enjoyed in this intimate, close relationship. So you want the praise of men, says Jesus. Well, we'll get it, but that's all we'll get. We want to be able to pat ourselves on the back or to enjoy a sentimental experience for ourselves as we come along and have a great experiential high. Yeah, we'll get it. We want to be seen by others. Well, we'll receive our reward. But that's all you'll get. But if we are seeking a relationship with our Father in heaven, well, there is integrity there, not hypocrisy. And there is joy and intimacy and delight there not showing off to other people. And there's eternity there, because he's in heaven. And that relationship will be consummated. What a great way to start the new year. And next week, we'll be thinking about unhypocritical prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven. Father, we confess our hypocrisy, our show. Please forgive us. We long for real integrity. Please, in your kindness, grant it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.